Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. These past couple of weeks, we've been dealing in uh, really unpacking the uh, book of Ephesians, and I hope that you've been blessed by it. It's, it's not my typical style or form of, of sermons, but uh, it's important that we understand some biblical stuff. You know, typically I'll do a message where it's, it's, it's something very practical, something you can apply right away, and I give you a few scriptures. But this time I really wanted to go into a particular book, a particular uh, 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 writing, a letter from Paul, and really unpack that and show you, even though this was written thousands and thousands of years ago, it's still relevant uh, to, to our culture and to our lives today. And so we're, gonna, we're still in chapter 1, and uh, we, today we're going to focus on verses of one, one, I mean chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Now the first part of chapter 1 dealt with the, it was an anthem of praise. It was an anthem of praise that Paul was praising God for his, his selection of us and choosing us. It was an anthem of praise for all that God has done for us. It was an anthem of praise. Now we find in these next few verses here, Paul's prayer so after he praises God and, and shares all of his praise, he says, okay, now I have a special prayer request for each of you Ephesians. Now, let me just remind you uh, again of, of who these people were. This was a church uh, that was pretty established, okay? But they were established in a cultic-like uh, 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 society where they believed in witchcraft and stuff. But they were doing well. This church was doing, it for all matters of saying it, they were doing okay. But their challenge was they were doing well with their faith. They were doing extremely well with their love because they were serving in the community. They had great faith in what they believed in Christ. But what they lacked was one of the very important virtues of being a Christian is hope. They lacked the virtue of hope. They had great faith. They had great love, but what they lacked was the virtue of hope. And we're going to talk about that uh, in this, in this uh, series, to, in this sermon today. These verses are two specific prayers that Paul writes for the Ephesians. The first one is a prayer for hope. The second one is a prayer for the manifestation of God's great power and plan. That word manifestation is sometimes very religious, but it is a, a, a true word, a, a good word. And what that means is bringing something to light, a, a, a revelation, if you will, revealing something. Uh, so the prayer is for a prayer for the manifestation or revelation of God's great plan and power. Let's start with the first one, the prayer of hope. Let's read Ephesians 1, 15 through 8. Paul says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, that's the evidence that they were out there sharing the word and that they had great faith, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
Here it comes. I pray for you constantly. Well, what are you praying? I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And when you grow in your knowledge of God, what happens? I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand, here it is, the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The church in Ephesus was doing well and exhibited an abundance of faith and love. But it was the area of hope that Paul prayed would be strengthened. As believers, we need all three virtues. We need faith, we need love, and hope. We need all three in order to fight off the tears of the enemy. We need all three in order to have this confidence uh, uh, in, 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 in our faith as Christians. We need all three in order to, 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 to withstand all of the stuff that culture and society places in front of us. I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and they were talking about how isn't it funny that all the stuff in the media is, is, trying, to make us, is trying to make us seem dumb? Everything they do is, is, is trying to like blindside us. Everything is negative. You know, I, you, you never turn on the news and see that, hey, such and such dog had 10 puppies and all of them made it. That would be boring, right? There's no, there's no satire, but the media has trained our thinking. The media has trained our mind. The media has dumbed us, if you will. And we're so connected to it, so connected to it that, that we, we, we tune into reality TV shows. There's a reason why reality TV is as popular as it is. Y'all want to know the reason? Because y'all like it. Because y'all watch it. Soon as they pop up a new reality TV show, many of us complain, but you're only complaining because it's not the one you like. Can I be honest here? It's not the one you like. And why do we like reality TV show? Because it gives us a bird's eye view of somebody else's junk. It gives us a, a light into their mess. And it makes us feel like, well, I'm not that jacked up. At least I'm not out here in the public and fighting and carrying on. I'm 40 years old and, 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 and fighting somebody, pulling out their hair. and so, At least I'm not. And we find that entertaining because at some point in our lives, we really knew someone personally who was just like the people on TV. I remember one of the very first early reality shows. Y'all remember it? Uh, the, MT, the one on MTV? Huh? That's right, the real world. I loved it. I loved it. It was good. You know, they got, you know, Kevin got loud in that girl's face. Y'all remember that when he got in her face and they got all crazy and stuff? And I was like, oh, man, brother, don't hit her. You know what's going to happen if you, ooh, Jesus. Huh? But that was when it started. Real world. Oh, man, that was great. And here it is. If we don't have faith, love, and hope, we get caught up in this reality TV stuff and, you know, and, and then the devil can begin to speak to us. And begin to distract us. And see, this is important when I talk about the importance of them having the three virtues. These are people, let me tell you about these people again. These are people that are coming out of a dark society. These people in the church of Ephesus, they're coming out of an occult. They're coming out of a society where all they knew was witchcraft. All they knew was to pray to this goddess Artemis and Diana. That's all they knew. 
They coming out of, you know what, you wronged me, let me get me a little monkey doll and stick some pins in it with your face on it and blah, blah, blah. All they knew was casting spells. All they knew was all of this stuff. They didn't know that all they needed was God. So they're coming out of this, uh, this, 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 this crazy society and they're having to deal with their own form of reality television, right? But they lack the one essential thing. Hope. I got faith in all of the, I, I got faith in, in God. I have, I love my community, but I'm lacking this hope because I can easily fall back into what I used to do. And some of them did. Some of them continued on. They, they, they loved God and they, they believed in Jesus, but they practiced a little bit of that witchcraft. Some of them, I love God. I believe in Jesus. I, I pay my tithe, but, you know, every now and again, you know, I'm not going to pray to this statue Artemis, but I can't throw it away. I, I can't just throw it away. I'm just going to leave it here. Satan uses three tools to keep people from having an authentic view of God, and that's what he was doing in the church in Ephesus. With all of these statuettes and the witchcraft, Satan planted his flagpole firmly in this city to distract these people from what God was calling them to do. How did he do it? Here's your notes. Satan uses three tools to keep people from having an authentic view of God. And we're going to talk about what that authentic view of God is in just a second here. He uses three things. He uses strongholds, arguments, and thoughts. Satan uses strongholds, arguments, and thoughts. You may be saying, well, what is a stronghold? I'm going to tell you. A stronghold is something that keeps you prisoner, something that holds you hostage, something that, that, that pulls you back from moving forward. Some examples of that would be unforgiveness. Have you ever had a disagreement with somebody and y'all uh, y'all disagree and y'all both debating who's going to apologize first and before you know it 10 years have gone by many times it's your family member that's a stronghold unforgiveness and you can't move past it because your pride is in the way I'm not going to be the first because I wasn't wrong I'm not going to be the first because I wasn't wrong and that stronghold of unforgiveness will stop you dead in your tracks and you think you're moving forward and you're not. You're actually trekking backwards. Forgiveness is one of the strongest things in when we speak of strongholds that will hold you back and hold you captive, hold you hostage, prevent you from receiving your blessing. Matter of fact, will prevent you from even hearing the word of God in all of its authenticity. Another one is bitterness. It's too many doggone bitter people around here for no good reason. Just bitter. Bitterness is another stronghold. We can't get over it. Anger is another one. Some of y'all get mad just at, at the smallest thing, and you're mad all day. You wake up still mad. Go to bed still mad. Some of y'all get mad at the smallest thing, like your team losing. I'm serious. That's so trivial. It's so small and tiny, so minuscule, but we will let that ruin us. And guess what? You ain't making no money from your team. You're not even on the team. When was the last time you received a dollar from them? With the exception of one stakeholder here who's a, a stakeholder with his team. But everyone else, unless you're from Wisconsin and bought into uh, Green Bay, 
You can't say that you receive a check or any, any, anything worth value from your team. So when your team loses, you're mad. You're mad all week. You're mad at your spouse. You're mad at your kids. You're mad at everybody. You're mad at your church. You're mad at your pastor. You're just mad. You're angry. Anger is such a, an evil stronghold that prevents you from moving forward. The final one is regret. How many of y'all have allowed regret to uh, prevent you from taking the next step into trying something new? How many of you have allowed regret to, to uh, move you into the next dimension of your blessing? How many of you allowed regret to prevent you from applying for that job? How many of you allowed regret to prevent you from introducing yourself to that person you just feel is perfect for you? How many of you have allowed regret to let you stop dreaming? Your dream ain't even deferred. You've just canceled it. How many of you have loud regret? That's a stronghold that so many of us get trapped in and we stuck. We're stuck with regret. Regret, regret. I'm never going to do that again. I hate that that happened. Oh, my life is a mess and you can't move past it. Those are four examples of strongholds. Arguments refers to the use of reasoning and logic. Arguments refers to the use of reasoning and logic. Let me tell you all something. Arguments, this is where doubt is birthed. This is where doubt is birth. Doubt comes out of arguments. When, you, when, you're, when you're having this conversation with, with, with the version of you with the little red horns on one side and then the version of you with the halo on the other side, and, and one is trying to say, well, logically, this is the thing to do, and the other one is reasoning, well, no, 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 no. If you do this, it won't be that bad. And the devil gets you because he lets you wear his suit with the horns on this side. And he's all in your ear. And it's so much easier to listen to him sometimes, isn't it? It's like, I don't even have to try to do that thing. I mean, I could just do that. And you're like, no, that's just not right. I'm not going to do that. But then you begin to think because he starts to tell you, no, listen, I got a good cover-up for you. Go ahead and do it. You'll never get caught. Nobody will never know. It'll be our little secret. Plus, you'll feel good. Isn't that funny? That evil always feels good. Stuff you're not supposed to do always feels good until you get caught. Then it hurts like a, somebody know what I'm talking about. It hurts like a you-know-what. The other way he gets you are your thoughts. Your thoughts. Negative thoughts. Let me be particular. Negative thoughts. Negative thoughts are the byproduct of poor logic and reasoning. Satan puts thoughts into people's heads, many of which are not reasonable. Your thoughts, our thoughts. Remember, uh, I guess our last series, I talked about wrong thinking and right thinking. Huh? We need to be thinking all the time. I tell people, this is one of my favorite things I talk to people about all the time. Is your cup half full or half empty? Some people look at me like, what's the difference? There is a difference. It's a big difference. If you look at your cup as half empty, that means that you wasted that much. But if I look at it as half full, that means I can still fill it up some more. I can still put some more stuff in there. I can still put some more. I got room for more stuff to be poured into me. But if I look at it as half empty, that means I've wasted. I poured out or taken or consumed it. If it's half full, there's more opportunity for me to continue to fill it up. When you begin to grasp the true nature of God, you begin to experience hope. What is the true nature of God? Here we go. When you find that God is big enough to handle any problem you face, yeah, you begin to feel hope. When you find that God is small enough to live in your heart, 
Yeah, that's hope. When you understand that God is gracious enough to forgive you of your sins, I'm not done, no matter what they are, that's hope. That's real hope. And the hope lies in, watch this, the hope lies in this. The hope comes from the fact that what? I was pursued by God. Let me fix that. We were pursued by God. If that's not great hope, let me go back to, 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 to some, some scriptures a few, uh, a few back. He chose you, me, him, her, her, those babies. He chose each and every one of us in this room before he even designed the blueprint for the world. You were chosen and set apart before he even designed the blueprint, before he sat down at his spiritual table and rolled out the paper to begin to design the blueprint of the world. He says, I choose Jared. I choose Starbos and Lynette. Matter of fact, I'm going to put them together. I choose Sam and Tina. I'm going to put them together, and they're going to have Santi. Before they knew it, he knew it. And the hope in that is that the fact that he chose me, that means that he's got my back. The fact that he chose me, stamped me, sealed me with the Holy Spirit. That is the hope. Because he has designed the plans for my life, regardless of what I'm facing today, later on today, tomorrow, whatever I'm facing, he already chose me. He already knows the finish That is the hope. Say that with me. Get this in your spirit. Hope comes from? Come on, come on, talk to me now. Hope comes from? The fact that I was pursued by God. Hope comes from the fact that I was pursued by God. Say it like you mean it. Let that get in your spirit and you understand what I'm trying to say. The fact that I was pursued by God, that's all I need, baby. You don't have to give me anything else. I don't need any other scripture because the scripture tells me I was pursued by God. He sought me out, claimed me, stamped his, letter of, his stamp of approval on me. I'm good. Culture says I'm flawed, but in the eyes of God, I am flawless. Somebody can say amen. I just gave somebody a break right there. Somebody who's caught up in regret. Somebody who's caught up in failure. Somebody who's feel like they're inadequate. I just gave somebody a break right there. You receive it. Go ahead. It's all yours. The second part of his prayer is a prayer for the manifestation of God's great power and his plan. A prayer for the manifestation of God's great power and his great plan. Let's read Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. Paul says, I also pray, this is the second part of my prayer, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power, the same mighty power, the same mighty power, the same that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. It's the same exact power. It's not different. It don't look different. It don't smell different. It doesn't taste different. It's the same exact 
power that did that for Jesus that's available to you, an heir, you, the chosen ones, the holy ones, the adopted ones, you, me, us, the same power that raised Jesus. Think about that for a moment. A person that was killed, hung on the cross, died, opened the tomb up, he's gone. That same power that raised Jesus is the same power available to you. Okay, okay. What I'm trying to say is resurrect some dead stuff in your life today. Resurrect some dead dreams because you have a hope in God. He can make it all possible. Resurrect some stuff that you not only put on the shelf, you've buried thinking that it would never happen. Resurrect some stuff. The same power that raised our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the same power available to you right now. Not later. Right now. Not later. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Now he is far above any ruler or authority. Watch this. Any ruler or authority. Where? any ruler or authority or leader or anything else, not only in this world, not just your boss, your mama, your boyfriend, your husband, your, your, your professor, your president, your any leader. He is greater than any worldly leader. Watch this. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. What is the world to come? It's called heaven. Even there, he is still the authority. Even there, he is the authority. Right here on earth, he's the authority. I know your boss may say something. I know you may have applied for an increase. I know you possibly have uh, applied for a raise and you wanted to get promoted. And your boss said, well, no, we've already looked at somebody. He's not the final authority. Your increase may not be where you're at now. It may be somewhere else, but you need to connect to the great hope. Y'all will get that. Y'all will get that. Y'all will get that. God has the power to do all things but fail. All things but fail. He doesn't make any mistakes. He just starts over. It's not a mistake. He's just like, I think I'm going to try something different. God has the power to do all things but fail. He is the highest ranking official in our lives here on earth and in heaven. He is the chief of staff. He is the final authority. Whatever you've, you've been thinking about, dreaming about, hoping for, praying for, trust in God. Trust in God. He is the hope. Remember, you were chosen. Just line up now with the, with the path that he's already laid out for you. Here's the best news about it. Sometimes you can veer off the path, but if you pay close attention, there's a detour sign directing you right back to where you need to go. Just open your spiritual eyes and see it. It's blinking like bing, 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 this way, and you're back on track. That's the best news. Let me tell you about God's plan. God's intent is that the church be the fullness of Christ on earth. And it can only do that when it has wisdom and insight concerning its hope, its calling, its inheritance, and especially the nature of true power and authority, which is God. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 says this, 
God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the world. Wrong. Of the church. For the benefit of the church. This is for all those people, I hope they're listening to the podcast, who say, I don't need to go to church to be, to be close to God. This is for those people if they're listening. If they're not, send it to those people because this Scripture says totally opposite of what they say. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And here it is. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Christ fills the church with gifts and blessings. The church should be the full expression of Christ. Christ is the head, and we are the body as the church. The image of the body shows the unity of the church. Watch this. The body is also the housing unit for the heart. So as the body of Christ, we should have the heart of Christ. If he is the head, the head thinks, directs, is the vision. The head is the top. He's the head. We are his body, and, and, and the body represents the unified church, which also houses the heart. If we are his body, we certainly should have his heart. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying we should have his heart where he should love us. He already does that. But we should have the same kind of compassion for others that Jesus had for others. We should have the same kind of uh, desire or burden in our hearts to go after those who don't know him yet. We should have the same desire to share our faith with people just as flawed as we are. We should have the same desire that Jesus had to go places that the Pharisees and Sadducees refused to go and go to places like Samaria and deal and meet with people at the well. Like I said, I was at a club playing at the place last night, but I took cards, business cards, church cards to the place with me and gave them out. I need to go where other Christians said, I'm not going to go because I'm a Christian and I shouldn't be in those environments. I want to tell you something. Last night at this gig, we had church. I was almost invited to preach, but I said, I'm going to let my hands preach for me because that's what I was there to do. We need to have the same heart, passion, conviction, and burden in our heart that Christ had for people who did not know about this loving and forgiving God that we serve. If we are the body, we need to have the heart of Christ. Let me tell you something, and we're going to wrap it up here. There are two things that unite us as the body. There are two things that unite us as the body. A common vision and a common enemy. Let me explain that. If we are all on one accord and we all have the same vision to see lost people saved for Christ, we're united. If we are all on one accord and we have the same vision to rescue girls and boys caught up in sex trafficking here in America, we are all on one accord. We are united. A common vision unites the church, not Mosaic Church, but the body of Christ. A common vision. And the common vision across the board should be seeking after people who don't know Christ yet. 
seeking after people who have yet to experience the hand of God's blessing in their life. That should be a commonality amongst every single church. And if that is not the vision or mission of any church, I would question if I would attend there. If my vision is just to get a whole bunch of people in here so we can have one big old party, then we are a cult. Real talk, we are a cult. If it's all of the numbers game, we are a cult. Numbers that should matter is the people that have given their life to Christ. That's a number that counts. Numbers that should matter are the number of marriages that are saved. That's a number that should count. Numbers that should matter are the number of children that are fed and released into this world and taught right. That should count. But butts in the seat, remove them. They don't count. If you're just going to sit here and hang out and just eat food and just fellowship and high-five and dap and see your friend every Sunday, if that's your, your way of having a good time and party, there are so many of the churches that love that, and they don't even want to know your name. You could just be a face. But here we have work to do. We have work to do in this body. Amen? A common enemy. All oh, y'all know how a common enemy will bring you together. Let me tell you a story. When I was young and uh, I was in high school and we went to an MC Hammer concert. I may have been junior high. I can't remember. It was so long ago back up in New York. And so we went and hung out with some lady friends of mine and their parents had money. So they rented them a uh, limousine. And so me and a couple of my boys were invited guests to ride in the limousine with these fine young sisters. And we had a good time and we got to the concert and and, uh, well, I didn't have my ticket. I never bought my ticket, but I had planned on just hanging out, me and my boys. So we hung out and waited for our friends uh, who was at the concert to come out. And we went to the hotel, and we actually were able to bump into MC Hammer, who was cool. He had on these high boots, and he was looking a little bit like Rick James, and he should have been, you know, being in the city of Buffalo. That's where Rick is from. And so at any rate, uh, we had a good time. So after the ladies came out or whatever, we hung out with them. We went to a little after party, and we ran into some knuckleheads from my hood people that were not invited, but they just so happened to be there, and they were knuckleheads. They were cut-ups, and so, you know, I mean, trying to tell them, yo, y'all can't ride in the limo. We're invited guests, but they messed it up for us, and they kick us out the limo. So now we're stuck. We're stranded. A group of us, five. I don't get along with these guys. They don't get along with me, but we're from the same hood. Well, let's find our way back to our hood. How are we going to do it? We don't got enough money for everybody to catch the train or the bus. How are we going to do it? Let's start walking so we can get far enough, and we'll figure it out. We're walking. We go through a neighborhood that we should not have gone through. And y'all know what happens there. Yeah, they came out. They came out, and they want to fight. Now, these guys are people I would never hang out with. These guys are people that, you know, we get back to the hood. I don't, you know, my grandma say, don't you, I don't want to see you around them. They're trouble. So I would be far away from them. But in this instance, because we were from the same hood, we had each other's back. Why? Because we had a common enemy, and that was the enemy of the, per- of the, the people who ran that hood. They're like, y'all strangers, what y'all doing in this hood? So they chased us, and we ran. We fought a little bit, ran some more. Finally, the cops came. I mean, it was so bad, we were hiding in, like, abandoned refrigerators. We were running. It was like, yo, there's a fridge. <laughs> I think I heard him run by. He come out, and boom. It was deep. These were enemies of mine, but I had today to befriend them that day because that was the only way we were going to make it because we had a common enemy, and it was the people from that hood who wanted to beat us down. Thank God we ran into some police officers that let us get in the back. It was like maybe seven or eight of us, and we all had to get in the back. So we went from being thugs to cuddly. (laughs) 
The point of the matter is we have a common enemy. If you're a Christian in here, you have a common enemy. And his name is Satan. He don't like narrow one of y'all. He would like to kill and destroy every one of you and your babies and your baby's babies. He wants to kill and destroy your vision. He wants to destroy your dreams. He wants to destroy any inclination of this thing called hope in your heart. He wants to whisper in your ear, you're not good enough. He wants to kiss you in the morning and say, you're a loser. He wants to dap you and high five and say, way to go, stupid. Shut you all the way down, but yet make you feel like you're somebody. We serve a God who is a great corner man. And the fight has been fixed. And Don King had nothing to do with it. It was all the king of kings who had something to do with it. He planned it out, wrote it out. The fight is fixed, and we won. But our common enemy will let us believe that there's no hope in winning because we'll turn on the media and watch reality TV and say, what a mess. There's a show on right now called The Preacher's Daughters, and you see these, mm, Lord have mercy. There's a show on TV called Sister's Wives or something, Sister something, Sisterhood or whatever. You watch all of this stuff on TV, and it takes us further and further away from what God has called us to do, and the world is watching and saying, see, that's why I don't go to this and that. Do you notice this? Nobody ever says, when, 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 when Taliban does something crazy, you never hear Muslims saying, that's why I'm not a Muslim anymore. But Christians, one Christian mess up, that's why I don't go to church. What is, what is all of this about the Pope anyway? That's why I don't go to church. You never hear a Jewish person see something bad happen to one of their own kind, maybe caught up in some money scandal or something like that. You never hear them say, that's why I'm no longer a Jew. But Christians, we're so critical of each other, we're so judgmental of each other, we hold such a mandate on each other to be perfect that the minute one of us mess up, that's why I'm not a Christian. That's why I'm going to stop going to church. I got news for you. According to the Scripture, the only way you're going to receive the blessing is in a church Church, church, iglesia, ecclesia, you can go on and on. That's the only way you're going to get it. Only way. So today, I want to urge us to remain unified as the body, represent the body. I get notes and people tell me stuff, oh, you know, such and such uh you know, they go to such and they left your church and they go to such and such church. Man, if they, are they being fed over there? I mean, if there's some word there, man, God bless them. Because they're not my members. We're all part of, I'm, I'm a member. <laughs> this is God's church. I don't care who's here at Mosaic. Of course I want to have some people here. I mean, I know God has, has placed me to be a leader over a certain group of people, but if they're not here, it's not my job or ability to, or whatever to, to go after them and, and make this a, a, a custom-made service for them. That's not it. If I make this custom-made for everybody, we would have several different types of services. We'd sing several different types of songs. I would preach several different types of ways and possibly in other languages because some of y'all are just that deep. Real talk. This is not custom made. This is God made. And all I'm going to give you is a scripture. And if that's not enough for you, scripture combined with my passion is me spitting every now and again. If that's not enough for you, I dig it. 
there's a church that's perfect for you. And I'll be here. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, we thank you for this time. You've allowed us to be together in unity. We love you so much and we honor you, God. Wow, what a letter that Paul wrote. What a letter that's so relevant and current today for us. Wow, God, thank you that your word trans- just, just goes for generations and generations and generations, thousands and thousands of years. Even in a different time, it's relevant now for us. I thank you for that, God. Thank you for everybody here under the sound of my voice. I pray spiritual blessings over their lives. I pray that this message is not just a message that they hear and then don't do anything, but I pray that it's a message that, that, that requires and embarks a reaction to do something amazing that would impact you, that would do something that would honor you so that you can look down at us and say, boy, good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because that's what we are, God, your servants, your heirs, your children. We love you, we honor you, and we're grateful for the privilege to be heirs and adopted children to you. Bless us, God. Keep us close to your bosom. Protect us from our spiritual enemy. We're blessed to have you as our ring man, for we know that we will not lose. We can only win. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.